And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait! Welcome back to another edition of the Can't Wait podcast. Free agency is here and the Jets... They've made a splash. Well, they've at least made a ripple. They made some moves. They brought in some new players. They brought back some old players. We'll talk about who they got, who they didn't get, who they might still get, all on this free agency edition of the Can't Wait podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Connor Hughes. No Marissa again. She's still celebrating the, the nuptials and she's off on the honeymoon, but she'll be back later this week if the Jets continue to make moves. Uh, thanks for checking us out. Give us a five-star review if you can on Apple or Spotify. Connor, I mentioned what we're getting to. Um, overall, the big theme here, I think, is that um, I know I had some concerns that Joe Douglas was not going to leave his comfort zone and overspend to get anybody. I really don't know if he did. I don't know if he had to. So let's start with the guys he got because they seem like they came in at about the price you would want them to, starting yep. with the first move of the day. And that is the guard that continues to shore up the offensive line for this team in front of Zach Wilson. Lake and Tomlinson, three years, 41.2 million, 27 of that's guaranteed. And obviously the comfort level here is huge with him coming from the Niners and knowing this coaching staff. Yeah, you know, Tim, we, we've talked a lot in the weeks leading into uh, into free agency and just a lot over the last couple of weeks about the areas that the Jets wanted to improve, right? You know, the the number of positions that, that they had, the seven or so positions that they were very uh, had prioritized um, addressing throughout free agency and, and throughout the NFL draft and, and specifically looking even deeper in that the positions that they wanted to work on. Sorry, I just saw a tweet, of course, come off that said Marcus, uh, the Steelers have placed an RFA tender on Marcus Allen. And immediately I was like, oh, is that the Marcus Williams news? But um, <laughs> when it comes to free agency, the Jets, I don't think are ever going to be players in certain markets. They're never going to be players in, in certain areas of free agency because they just don't see the value there. But where they did see value and where they do see value is at the tight end position. Is that the interior offensive line position? Is that the interior defensive line position at the safety position? And Lakin Tomlinson, the first player that they signed in free agency, fills a massive need and is one of those players. I mean, the guy's a little bit older. He's 30 years old. But he is everything that the Jets could possibly want in an offensive lineman. I mean, he is the very definition of a Robert Sala, Joe Douglas player. For starters, he's reliable. He started his last 65 games. He hasn't missed a game since the 2017 season. He's nasty. He's a tremendous leader. He uh, thrives in a zone blocking scheme, which is what he worked with in San Francisco and will work with here again in New York. And he's a player that fills a massive need because the Jets have a hole at right guard. Now, I understand that he did play left guard throughout his entire career in San Francisco. The Jets have absolutely no concerns with him moving to the right side. Obviously, they've had a hands-on look at him because LaFleur because La coached him in San Francisco. Benton coached him in San Francisco. Sala coached him in San Francisco. So they have no worries about him moving over to over there to the right side and and in putting him 
into this offensive line, you're starting to see the makings of a group that could be potentially pretty good. The offensive tackle spot, probably so little. There's still some question marks there, obviously, with what you think of Makai Becton. But overall, this was an A-plus signing. It's a guy that the Jets prioritized. And after Brandon Sheriff went to Jacksonville, they wasted no time in, in agreeing to this deal to bring Lakin Tomlinson to New York. Everything they did today was on the offense. And we move to the tight end position next. TJ Uzuma, three years, $24 million. This is a guy who is coming off his best season in the NFL. 49 catches, 493 yards, five touchdowns for a Bengals team that obviously went to the Super Bowl. He's a guy that has worked with the young quarterback in Joe Burrow. Obviously, Joe Burrow is, is off, was off to a tremendous start to his career, a little more so than Zach Wilson coming off his rookie season. But it's it's a big upgrade for the Jets to go from what they had last year, piecemealing it together with Ryan Griffin and company, to a proven guy who just played in a Super Bowl. Well, it's the thing, man. They they basically played without tight ends last year. You know, <laughs> there, there was there was some talent in Tyler Croft. Like, you, you can give Tyler Croft a, a pass there because he does have some talent. However, the issue with Tyler Croft is that he's just never healthy. He's never been healthy throughout his career. And again, he wasn't healthy with the Jets. When he was on the field, he was okay. I mean, he wasn't good, but he was okay. And then with Ryan Griffin, he just has never been the same player since that injury he suffered a few years back when he was filling in for Chris Herndon. So in this, this is a situation where the Jets prioritized another position. They wanted to add a right guard. They wanted to add a safety. They wanted to add a cornerback, and they wanted to add a tight end. Through the first, I mean, what is it? We've been free agency open at 12. So for the first nine hours of free agency, they plugged two big holes. Lakin Tomlinson plugs one big hole. And CJ plugs another one, right? I mean, this is a guy who I, I talked to somebody at the Jets. They love him. Like, the Jets are absolutely in love with this guy. He's big, 6'5", 260. I mean, that is a big SOB. He's nasty. He's fiery. He's somebody who the Jets say just loves contact. He loves running into people. He's a good blocker because obviously you would think he's a good blocker. The guy's 260 pounds, and he is. He can pass block. He can run block. But the one thing the Jets love about this guy more than anything else is his yards after catch. I mean, I, I got made fun of by so many people in Jets Nation when they hired Michael Floor. And the one thing I kept talking about during training camp, usually in relation to Denzel Mims, was yak, 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 right? About how much the Jets love yak, how much Michael Floor loves yak, how much – Shanahan loves yak. Well, well, this guy's 260 pounds, big bodied. The Jets believe, and I was told by people in their building, they believe that he is one of the best yak tight ends in the NFL. Because of how big he is, you don't necessarily realize how quickly and how fast this guy is actually moving. But he's a big bodied guy. He's athletic. He can run good routes. He's got sure hands. And because of how big his frame is, he is a quarterback's best friend. And he's going to be one of Zach Wilson's safety blankets. The Jets are not done addressing the tight end position. Obviously, they're going to draft somebody. I have no problem saying that. I've talked to enough people where I know they're going to draft somebody. But CJ is a major addition to this because now you can pair the proven veteran with the rookie and have a pretty good one-two punch. And this is a guy you're going to see running up the seam. This is a guy you're going to see the Jets trying to get the ball in his hands in space. And the one thing that I was told by somebody over there is that when this guy gets moving, when he gets the ball in his hands and he gets the top speed, he is a, quote, load to bring down, unquote. So the Jets obviously took care of a couple of their own, which I think we're going to get to later on in the show if we have some time. I know we got a little bit of a, uh, a tight out here, but uh, of the two new players that the Jets add, Lake and Tomlinson, Pro Bowl player, immediately comes in and gives the Jets arguably their best right guard in, in a decade, maybe more. And then with CJ, you're getting a guy that's going to step in at tight end and, and be a, a reliable, confident, you-know-what-you-have-in-him player at one spot when the Jets can then get developmental rookie who can potentially be a Pro Bowl player, next-year player in the draft. So two big holes the Jets had coming in here. They had seven big ones to start. They've already crossed off two with obviously a lot of time to go. And I've been told very 
very assuredly that the Jets are not done yet and not even close to being done yet. I don't know what's going to come next or when whatever is going to come next, something like that. But uh, it's obviously we're, we're far from uh, tonight being over. That's why the, the next cup of coffee was just brewed. And obviously the next couple of days are going to be active and eventful as well. Jets Twitter was fun today, I thought, because uh, it started with plenty of anxiety in the morning, just kind of expecting the worst. And then there was kind of a, well, you know, we'll see what happens. And then I think genuine happiness with the moves that they came out of this thing with those two big guys and then the guys that they brought back as well. Um, but there are players, obviously so many other players that that went today um, that, that the Jets didn't end up on. Uh, JC Jackson, you know, one of the very best free agents available. We've talked about him so much on this podcast. He ends up going to the Chargers. Big money, five years, 82 and a half million there. Uh, Carlton Davis stays in Tampa. So you have another position of need, cornerback position, that the Jets have yet to get in on. Um, were those guys just what we talked about, who they did get for the right price, were those guys what the price just wasn't right? Yeah, this is like one of the – this was driving me nuts on, on social media last night. I mean, I don't know how else to – I, I quote uh, Kevin Kissner with this one, but this isn't a hobby. Like, this is not this is not a hobby. Like, when we say things, usually we say things because we know things. Like, I'm not watching these guys not sign or go sign elsewhere and they come out and say in the revisionist theory. I mean, we've been talking for quite a very long time on this podcast about how the Jets were not going to be in on J.C. Jackson, that they just were not going to have any interest in him, and they did not. They never pursued him. They made their their introductory due diligence call because literally they call every single player that is available, the representatives from every single player that's available to know what the market value is. But they use the market value on J.C. Jackson so that they can understand what the market value is is going to be on other players. The Jets never made a contract offer to J.C. Jackson. They never tried to pursue J.C. Jackson. They were not in the running for J.C. Jackson. In fact, they were never at any point considered front runners or even wanted to add JC Jackson. It had nothing to do with money. There's a lot of concerns with his personality. There's a lot of red flags with him about what's going to happen after he gets this big paycheck. Will his effort be the same? Will his desire be the same? There are all those murmurs, Tremaine Johnson-esque murmurs. The Jets were never going to be involved in that. So the Jets weren't ever involved in that. You know, they're they're involved in this corner market. The one name that we have talked about on this show countless times, the one thing we've written about countless times is Stephon Gilmore. The Jets view him as a player who can be for them in 2022 what Richard Sherman was for the 49ers in 2018, 2019, whenever they signed him. A veteran presence, a ball hawking presence, somebody you can put on one side of the defense and have that locked down and have no concerns with that side of the defense at all. He can bring the other players up. He can be a leader. They view him as their Richard Sherman if they're able to get it done. It's the same things, same reason they weren't really in on Davis. I know I saw reports out there that the Jets were going to go out and, and make a huge run for one of these two guys. They were going to be in it for Jackson, give a crazy big contract to Jackson or a crazy big contract for Davis. That just wasn't the case. The Jets were never in on either of those two guys. The Jets never made contracts offer, contract offers to either of those two guys. They were never the cornerbacks that this team was pursuing. So the Jets didn't miss out on either of those guys. The Jets just were never in on them. It wasn't today, obviously. It was it was over the weekend, but Amari Cooper ends up going to the Cleveland Browns. It's obviously a position of need for the Jets, wide receiver, a number one yeah. wide receiver. And I think, Connor, the thing that that was driving Jets fans crazy over the weekend was was the cost, right? Because he goes mm -hmm. to the Browns for a, basically a fifth-round pick. They swap six-round picks, and then a fifth-round pick, he goes to Cleveland. 
they decide they pick up the full contract on that as well. So 20 million owed to him this year, third year of a hundred million dollar contract coming up. Um, it just seemed like such a good fit, Cooper. Mm-hmm. Where, where did it go wrong? Was it just the 20 million? Yeah, it was, it was a bit of that. I mean, look, it, it's the, the issue with Cooper is the Jets made their calls there and, and the Jets did their homework there. And the Jets would have been in on Cooper if the Cowboys were willing to agree to a trade that was contingent on Cooper reworking his contract. The Jets are not in a position right now where they can afford to pay $20 million a year to a receiver. And Cooper's contract, example here, Mike Williams, the, the, the receiver that the Chargers re-signed, if he was a free agent out there, the Jets were absolutely going to pursue him. The Jets were absolutely going to go after him. The Jets were absolutely going to make a run at Mike Williams if he was able to hit free agency. They viewed him, while well, he's the same age as Cooper, they viewed him as a younger 28, a player who's still ascending, big-bodied ex-receiver, ascending player, best years beyond him. If they were able to sign him in free agency, even if they gave him a deal, three years, $60 million, with an average of $20 million per year, they can structure that contract where his cap hit is not $20 million per year. You can give him a roster bonus here, signing bonus there. You can make it so that the cap hit is understandable and reasonable. They were going to be interested in Amari Cooper under two situations. He was cut and they could give him their own contract or two. They were able to trade him and rework his contract, either with the Cowboys picking up some of that money or the Jets removing things and doing different things with the contract from Omari Cooper. The Cowboys were not willing to negotiate or do any deal that involved that. They're not. They, they were not. Their, their thing was, if you're trading for Omari Cooper, we'll give him to you for a fifth round pick, but you need to take his entire contract. Considering the Jets' holes elsewhere, which we've gone over ad nauseum, receiver is a need, yes, but so was tight end, so was right guard, so was free safety, so was strong safety, so was cornerback, so was pass rusher, so was interior offensive line. That does not even include depth and the number of players that they needed to re-sign from their own roster like we've seen with Barrios and we've seen with Tevin Coleman and LaMarcus Joyner and others. The Jets did not have the luxury to take $20 million of their $35 million of available cap space and dedicate all of that to just a receiver. They weren't willing to do that. So if Cooper, if the Cowboys were willing to eat some of Cooper's contract and then the Jets get him, then he's more in play. If Cooper was cut and he's a free agent, the Jets can negotiate him, then he's in play. But for a player that has some legitimate concerns with his work ethic and desire and ability to give 100% on every single play, for somebody with those concerns, a player who is considered a very old 28 in terms of his best football was probably three, four years ago, and he seems to be on the decline. The Jets were just not willing to bring in that player. And I know I know fans can say like, oh, they could have traded for Cooper and then renegotiated his deal, right? Because you see that all the time. Because you convert that $20 million base salary, part of it to a signing bonus that pays the money out down the road. You're right. The Jets could have done that. But the problem with doing that is then you're just taking money that's owed now and you're pushing it down the road. So now suddenly you're going to be paying Cooper guaranteed money when he's 30 31 32 when he's clearly not the same player he was five years ago let alone two years ago and you're going to be stuck with a really bad contract so uh, unfortunately yes the Jets still need a number one receiver unfortunately for them Calvin Ridley got suspended for a year and the deal didn't work with Amari Cooper because the Cowboys weren't willing to eat some of his contract so now they're going to be turning to the draft to try to find another receiver there and, and they're going to turn to the draft Sorry, I, was, I keep obviously like all this crap can happen at any point in time. So anything buzzes on me, I immediately bug out. Um, but they're going to the, the Jets are still in the market for a number one receiver. They still want a number one wide receiver. But it's pretty clear that right now that player is going to be coming in the NFL draft. 
All right, we're going to get more into the draft, more into other players that are still available out there. Give Connor a couple minutes to, to check the phone and see what's going on. So let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You said it, Connor. You said Marcus popped up on your phone. And you're like, oh, oh, maybe that's it. So Marcus Williams is the guy, obviously, that we're kind of waiting for that possibility. You mentioned Stephen Gilmore as well. Safety, Stephon. cornerback, two close things enough. that the Jets need. What, what was that? I said Stephon Gilmore, but close enough. What did I say? Stephen. Oh, you're a New England guy, too. I thought you'd have that one locked <laughs> this down. That's pretty bad. Yeah. That's pretty bad. It's late. Uh, it's late and you got a kid in the background. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hopefully nobody can hear that. Anyway, uh, the secondary is still a possibility, and and you said it. You're not going to bed for a while. Are you waiting up for those two possibilities? We've got we've got a full cup of coffee, and we have a diet coke from Chick Fil A because my wife on her way home from work texted me and said, "I know you haven't left your office. Is there any chance that I could pick you up dinner and, and just kind of sneak it underneath the door?" So uh, we had a nice little Chick Fil A sandwich, and I've got caffeine that I'm mixing with caffeine. But um, yeah, so let's let's start with Marcus Williams, right? So. He has been all along the apple of the Jets' eye. He is the player that if you could sit down and say, what guy perfectly fits within Robert Sala's defense? What guy perfectly fills a need for the Jets? What guy is young and dynamic and just would be a add him to this team, perfect marriage? It's Marcus Williams. It really is. The problem with Marcus Williams right now is not interest from the Jets because they are interested is not interest from Marcus Williams because he is interested. It is strictly financial and how high is Joe Douglas willing to go to pay for a safety, okay? Douglas's entire tenure with the Jets has always been about having a walkaway number, that he has players that he likes. When he sees those players, he is aggressive in his attempt to acquire them. However, he does not pay players more than what he believes they are worth. When you look at the contracts he's handed out this offseason, Lake and Tomlinson, it's a reasonable deal. Three years, $41 million at most, right? Uh, CJ Uzma, it is a reasonable deal. $8 million a year for the tight end. You look at Braxton Berrios, got him back. It's $6 million annually. He's not a, he's not a general manager like Mike McCagden used to be that would say, you know what? I want CJ Mosley. I'm going to give CJ Mosley. I'm going to keep adding money to CJ Mosley's pod and add it and add it and add it and add it until I get him. You know, that's what that's what he did with the C.J. Mosley negotiation, because Mosley wanted to go back to the Ravens. He kept going to the Ravens and saying match, match, match. The Ravens match, match, match until it got to a number that Mike McCagnon offered. And the Ravens looked at C.J. and said, honestly, dude, you have to take this deal because we can't match it. And I can't believe you're even getting this much money. So he came to the Jets. That's how you get yourselves in trouble. 
That's how the Jets got themselves in financial trouble. That's how the Giants have gotten themselves in financial trouble. That's how the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be in financial trouble in two years. That's not what Joe Douglas is willing to do. He has a number. Uh, so the Broncos just agreed to terms with DJ Jones. Uh, he was a player the Jets were in on. So he was a defensive tackle. The Jets really like DJ Jones. He's unfortunately going to go to uh, the Denver Broncos. That's per NFL Network. So the Jets are going to miss out on that one. Uh, he was a player they were in on. He was a player that they liked a lot. He was viewed as a replacement for Foley Fatukasi. Uh, but, you know, obviously, look, if the money's equal and you've got a chance to go to a rebuilding team in the Jets or go play with Russell Wilson in Denver, you know you're going to go to Russell Wilson in Denver. So, unfortunately, the Jets missed out on that one, but that's what's kind of going to happen because he's a player that uh, the Jets were absolutely in on. Um, but just real quick to kind of go back to where we were, that's the way that Joe Douglas operates. He sees players that he wants. He attacks the players that he wants. But even the players that he loves the most, he has a walkaway number. I've been told by several people close to the situation that Marcus's, that Marcus Williams' uh, market has reached a point where he's expected to get a contract that pays him between 17 and $20 million annually. That is absurd money for a safety. In my opinion, I don't think there's a single safety in the NFL that is worth $20 million annually. I, safeties are very important to defenses, but I don't think that they make pass rusher like impact on the field to warrant $20 million annually. So this pursuit of Marcus Williams is really, really, really going to test Joe Douglas's discipline and Joe Douglas's ability to stick to what he believes in his core beliefs. He cut his teeth with Ozzie Newsom. He learned from the Baltimore Ravens and the way that they do things. The Ravens would never play a safety, pay a safety 17 to $20 million annually. If the Jets can find a way to get that number lower, 15, $16 million, they're absolutely in there. They're ap- they, I, if, they, if they can get Marcus Williams for $15 million annually, I think you can print your Jet jerseys now. But if this gets to 17, 18, 19, $20 million, which people have told me that's what this is trending towards, I just don't necessarily see... This isn't source. That's what I'm saying now. Like this is my, this is just my opinion. I have a really hard time seeing Joe Douglas come away with Marcus Williams. If he's going to cost $18 million annually, I really have a hard time seeing that happen. That's just, that's just my opinion. The other side of it. Good. Sorry. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, we've seen that he doesn't want to spend that kind of money on a safety because of Jamal Adams. Yeah, exactly. He traded him away. He didn't pay Marcus uh, Marcus May last year. And again, just look at the signings that he's made. Even go back to Carl Lawson, and Corey Davis. They were all at market like they were all good contracts for the Jets. He never gave like it, no. There has not been a single contract handed out by Joe Douglas, with the exception of maybe George Fant, where you were like, I don't really get that. Like that that seems like a lot of money. And which George Fant, it was just because he wasn't. A, a starting tackle for it anyone you're like why is he paying him 10 million dollars annually but now you see the jets view george fan as a starting left tackle so now they've got a starting left tackle at 10 million dollars annually that's nothing that's pennies on the dollar for a starting left tackle but that's that's what's going to be fascinating to watch at this one i can tell you the jets are very interested in marcus williams marcus williams has interest with the jets it's not like he doesn't want to play for the jets or it's anything like that it's just a matter of how high are the Jets willing to go compared to other teams? If another team is willing to give Marcus Williams $18 million annually, $19 million annually, $20 million annually, I just don't see the Jets going that high. That's just my opinion because it's it really is against everything that Joe Douglas is. Every fiber of Joe Douglas's body, that is against the way that he does business. The other player that we're, player that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about in, in, over the coming days just because the interest has been there is Stephon Gilmore. 
I've been told that the two primary teams that are interested in Stephon Gilmore right now are the San Francisco 49ers, coincidentally with Robert Sala's old stopping grounds. But the San Francisco 49ers are one. The New York Jets are one B. The Oakland Raiders have kicked the tires. So they, they've kind of made their calls to the, uh, the, the Oakland Raiders have gone out there and, and, and touched base with Stephon Gilmore. But from what I understand, I also talked to Jeff Howe. Uh, who covers the NFL for us as well. And we both kind of joined, joined together on this one. That That's that's really not going anywhere. Like they've touched base. They know what his market value is, but it's not like they're heavily in the pursuit. So right now it's coming down to two teams with Stephon Gilmore. It's the San Francisco 49ers and the New York Jets, from what I understand. That's what I've been told. Um, his market right now, I know Stephon Gilmore at the NFL Combine wanted a contract worth roughly $14 million annually. That's what Stephon Gilmore was looking for at the NFL Combine. It was a deal worth $14 million annually. That kind of slides him in to where J.C. Jackson got, what was it, like 16 and a half, and then uh, Davis got $15 million. That does slide him in there. The 49ers are much more cap-strapped than the Jets. They're trying to get him much lower than that $14 million tab. Think like $10, $11, $12 million annually is what the 49ers would like to pay. So what this is now going to come down to is what does Stephon Gilmore want? He's already been a defensive player of the year. He's already won a Super Bowl. He's already made, I think it's like $90 million in career earnings. So he's fine financially. He's already got a Super Bowl ring on his finger. So what does he want? Does he want another ring or does he want more money? If he puts his priority on winning, if he puts his priority on another ring, the 49ers are going to have the advantage over the Jets. He'll take the 2 or $3 million less from the Jets to go play for the 49ers because he wants that ring. However, if his priority is finances, if his priority is, I just want another paycheck, I've got my ring, I played for a winner, I just want to go to a team that's really going to pay me, that's when the Jets become the favorite. From what I've heard on Gilmore, he wants to be paid. I've heard that it's not the winning. I heard he wants to be paid. So if he wants to be paid, and again, it comes down to are the Jets going to be willing to give him the contract that he wants. I know that Robert Sala went into this offseason saying that his defense needs a number one corner, a veteran corner, and it needs a safety. I find it very, very hard to believe that the Jets leave free agency and Joe Douglas leaves free agency knowing his coach said, look, for my defense to work, I need a number one corner outside and I need to address the safety position. I need a veteran corner outside and I need a safety position. If that was Robert Sala's stance at the end of this season, Joe Douglas is the general manager. Yes, Joe Douglas is his boss, but it's his job to get the groceries for Robert Sala to cook the meal. If he says, I need one of those two, I need those two things. Maybe you don't get both. Maybe you only get the one, not the other but I find it very hard to see them coming out without either of them. I find it very hard to see the Jets not coming out with a safety and not coming out with a veteran corner. The top two corners are off the market in Jackson and, and Davis. The Jets were not involved with either of those two guys. Gilmore is now the top available, and there's a big gap after Gilmore of who's the next best. I don't know. I would be stunned. I would be very surprised if the Jets didn't come away with either Williams or Gilmore. That's the truth. That's, that's honestly where it is. I'd be very surprised if the Jets didn't come away with one of those two guys. I'd be surprised. I, I don't think they can come away with both. I'll be honest. I don't, I don't think it's financially possible for them to give $17 million to, to Williams and then $12 million or $13 million to Gilmore. I don't see how that's possible, but I, I also, I don't see how it's possible to not come away with at least one of them. And it's just going to come down to what does Joe Douglas prioritize the veteran corner. And then you target the safety in the draft, or do you get the safety and you target the corner in the draft? You got that guy Hamilton waiting there in the draft. Um, you know that we've talked about him. Obviously, the, the tough thing is: is he? Do you want to draft at four that position, and would he be around at ten? Is kind of the, the tricky thing there. But certainly, like 
as far as safeties go, there's a really good one waiting there in the draft if they're willing and corner to, too. You to go, go sauce together. like sauce gardeners there as yeah, well. Like good there's point. gonna be yeah, there's gonna be and he and sauce gardener well. probably fits better to where their picks are, I would think, too. Right. Yeah, and look, I mean and, yeah. The one thing is like the Jets have been, you can say they're like everyone's like, Oh, they're active, it's been a crazy good offseason. But I mean, look, they've they've yeah, they've been active, but they've been active in the way that Joe Douglas is always active. Like the, the Tomlinson deal is not absurd. The the CJ deal is is not absurd. Like none of these contracts, even the Berrios one, like I was stunned when they were able to re-sign Berrios. Not that they Me re-signed too. him, but they re-signed him at $6 million. Like yeah. I, I really, from people that I talked to down in Mobile in the Senior Bowl, they didn't think he was getting like 10. I know some people floated the idea that he was going to get $10 million, but I heard he was going to get like eight. Like there, there were going to be offers out there for $8 million and to go down in Florida. Like I heard Jacksonville, which is surprised they didn't get involved there. But I heard Jacksonville and Miami were the two that really like. Jacksonville might have offered him 10. <laughs> they probably offered him 15. Like that, it's, they're going, they're going batshit down there. But you know, that's what happens when you spend too much time in Jacksonville. But they, um, they like I heard they uh, like I, I thought that was where he was going to go. The fact the Jets got him back, like forget the the getting Barrios back. Like oh, that's a great move by Douglas. It is a great move, but it's a great move. He got it back at six million, like six million dollars. Coleman's going to be low, but again, it, they didn't even break the bank for Tomlinson, and they didn't break the the bank for for uh, CJ either. So they've got the they, they've been sticking to the script of what their offseason is. These next two moves are where that script can change because giving $17 million to Marcus Williams, that's not sticking to the script. That's very much breaking the bank of what Joe Douglas usually does going after Gilmore in a way that's 13, $14 million a year, two years. That's different than what Joe Douglas does. But again, if you've got a head coach that goes out there and says, this is what I need to make my defense successful. I need another fast rusher. Kayvon Thibodeau probably is coming in the draft. I need to address the corner position. I need to address the safety position. The Jets are always going to be a team that's built through the draft. That hasn't changed. That always That's always going to be the case. But I just find it very hard to see Joe Douglas and Robert Sala working so well together. Sala saying, these are the things I really need for my defense to work. And Joe saying, yeah, sorry, we whiffed. We didn't get any of them in free agency. Like, I find that very hard to believe. I mean, even like we, we know how, how problematic the Jets defense was last year, right, Tim? Like, like the defense had their issues. The defense was a problem last year. Every player the Jets have signed so far, with the exception of Will Parks and LaMarcus Joyner re-signing, has been an offensive player. That's what they've done today is offense, 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 offense. They haven't added any interior linemen. They were in on Benny Hill. They were in on DJ Jones. They missed both of them. Or BJ Hill and DJ Jones. They missed on both of them. Right? You understand on both of them. Like, like DJ Jones went to go play with Russell Wilson in Denver. It's understandable. BJ Hill stayed to play with the defending AFC champions. That's understandable. Like, that you get why they left. But if you go into this one saying, we need interior offensive line, we need pass rusher, we need corner, we need safety, Joe Douglas isn't going to screw his coach in a way that he comes away with none of those things. So now we're getting to the point where it's like, where are you willing to go? How high are you willing to go? What are you willing to do to get the deal done? If you go safety right now in free agency, you can focus on corner in the draft. If you go Gilmore now in free agency, you can focus on safety in the draft. You can do those things. Like it doesn't even have to be Hamilton. Like they can go with a safety in the second round. Like that kid from Clemson's a good player. There's several good safeties that are going to be available there in the second round that they can pair with Joyner. Right. But like, I'm fascinated to see how this plays out now. I'm fascinated to see what direction Joe Douglas goes. I know they're in on both of them. It's just going to be a matter of which one do they pull the trigger on. All right. So you mentioned Hamilton and and Sauce and the draft there, but you also mentioned Thibodeau, who's going to be there it seems like more and more are going to be there at four so based on what they've done so far and assuming that they maybe get either the safety or the cornerback here this week in free agency when we get to the draft in your mind connor right now 
do they still go with the pass rusher with that number four pick if he is available? Yeah, so I think that like so I mean before that I honestly I wouldn't if Icky's there at four, the the offensive lineman, if he's there at four, I think the Jets would have a very hard time passing on him. Like I really do. I, I now would they draft him and that means that they would trade Makai Becton? Is would they draft him and then just let the three-man competition play itself out of Icky, Becton, and Fant and let the best two men win and the other one's your swing tackle or you let the best of the three win. I mean, I, obviously, ideally, you would have Becton beat out Fant, Icky's your right tackle, and then you trade Fant. Like, that would obviously be the best situation to play out here. But if Becton stinks, at least you still got the other two. I mean, would they do that? I don't necessarily know. But I wouldn't rule that out just because I think Icky is a real different player. Like, I think he's just big, nasty, versatile the definition of a joe douglas guy like he i i just find it very hard to see joe douglas passing on him when it comes to Kayvon thibodeau if icky's gone and Kayvon thibodeau is there at four the way that this offseason has gone to this part with free i think Kayvon thibodeau is going to be the pick i i don't think the jets are going to have any issues with his like personality red flags and stuff like that i've reached out to people about that i've heard it's kind of much ado about nothing the guy just likes his off field life like he likes his he likes branding and stuff like that like he's not like a bad person he doesn't have a bad effort i don't think the jets have any concerns with that so if he's there i think he would probably be the pick and again you're just building out that defense and then because now obviously you've got hills gone and jones is gone i think you'll probably have the middle the middle draft second round to see them draft an interior lineman probably fourth round to see another interior offensive interior defensive lineman you'll go from there because that is a, a point of emphasis now especially with uh, Foley Fatukasi gone, the Jets are going to have to address that pretty quick. All right. Well, it's been one heck of a day one of free agency. If they have another big day two, maybe we'll be back with you. No matter what, we're going to wrap up all of this free agency towards the end of the week. Marissa will be back. I know stuff in the in the chat saying we fired Marissa. We did not fire we did Marissa. Not. It's her birthday, actually. You it is her birthday. Yeah, so, yes. Marissa, happy birthday. Happy birthday, uh, Marissa. She'll be back for the end of the week when we when we recap this whole thing. Fire but uh, but stay with imagine us. Imagine we fire Marissa. We both be without our heads in like a week. We completely. <laughs> we still talk to her the whole time in the chat. Like she helps us set this all up. We'd all be screwed. We wouldn't. We would not work. We did not fire Marissa. She's literally at dinner for her birthday and weighing in on the chat. So oh, 100%. yeah. MVP. Um, that's going to do it for this edition, though. Uh, if you want to, if you haven't already, I don't know why you aren't, but if you want to sign up for The Athletic, you can follow Connor, not just on Twitter, but you can read his great stuff in The Athletic, all of our other NFL writers, and all of the other sports as well. Right now, you can sign up for a dollar a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait for that. Uh, until the next time, this has been a lot of fun. Exciting day one for the Jets, as I said. I keep Keep it locked in with us. Keep following Connor for all this free agent stuff all week long. We'll be with you again next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.